0: I'm just reminded I would promised to take my young ward Dick Grayson, fishing, if you'll excuse me.
1: Biff, bam, pow. Let's take a trip down to the Batcave for Batman Land. There's a problem. Better let us handle this. Our weekly discussion of the 1966 Batman TV show. Each week we're joined by a guest. I don't know who he is
0: behind that mask of his, but I do know when we need him. It's
1: Batman! We need him. Where we discuss the Batman episodes that aired this week on SBS Viceland. Let's go! When I'm not impressing the ladies on the dance floor with a finely choreographed Batusi, I'm Dan Barrett, billionaire playboy and a digital editor at SBS. Just like the Catwoman, my co-host has a cast and a full cream milk on her rider. I'm joined by Fiona Williams, a fellow editor here at SBS. Fiona, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Just like Catwoman. Just like. Now, we don't do this alone. We have a guest each and every week. We're joined here, and I'm excited by this one, unlike the rest of them, I mean, those guys. (laughs) We've got Blake Howard. Now, Blake is a film writer, um, commentator around the place. You may have heard him on TV. I've seen him on TV before, once or twice. Yeah, once or twice. Yeah, but you're probably best known by me as a Batman fan. Yes, my
2: Twitter handle is at BlakeisBatman. I am a Batman diehard fan.
1: Now, I'm concerned by your handle because you are Blake is Batman. Like, it just seems like there's a self-identification happening that just seems a little bit concerning.
2: Look, I think if anyone is going to understand why one would want to be Batman, it's you, Dan Barrett, you billionaire playboy you, and Fiona, who is your lovely co-host today because... You see the bright night, you see Adam West, you see my Batman. You're talking, this is a podcast I was born to be a guest on and you would know that he is a moral compass. If anyone is a moral compass, Uh, even though he delivers lines with the Zucker Brothers perfection of Leslie Nielsen in like a Naked Gun movie, he was my Batman. This is, you know, I, I don't have Jesus. I have Batman.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's not just a Batman. He's the Batman. Yeah. Absolutely agree. What
0: a thrill this is, Batman. I followed your exploits for years. Nice meeting you too, Robin.
1: But first up, we are going to talk about this week's episode of Batman. We've got two episodes, both Catwoman-centric. The very first appearance of Catwoman as a proper character on the show. I think we saw her picture in an earlier episode. There was a glimpse, yeah, yeah. but this
0: is full Catwoman episodes.
1: Yeah, this is full-on Catwoman this is two episodes. The perfect crime, and that's perfect crime, um, and that's March sixteenth. No, do that again.
0: Um, yeah, no. I, don't, I don't need to hear that again.
1: <laughs> perfect. And that went to air initially in nineteen sixty six on the sixteenth of March, and then a second episode, Better Luck Next Time, which went to air the day after on the seventeenth of March, also in nineteen sixty six. Interestingly enough, uh, this episode it opens up in the Gotham City Art Museum and there's a bit of a theft taking place of a little kitty cat. Yeah, it's
2: a uh, quintessential
1: Catwoman moment,
2: if you like. There's a, a cat statue, an affinity she has to steal <laughs> things that are shaped like cats, I guess, um, uh, in a glass case, and she uses her awesome claws to go and cut a hole in the glass, but first testing it with a hammer, which she should do, and steals it away, and it just happens to be one of a pair of two golden kitty cats, and there we go. We uh, we see Julie Newmar, the first of three actresses playing Catwoman. I
0: know that Batman and Robin will swallow the bait. And when they do, I'll be rid of that dynamic duo once and for all. And then there's a legend about a pirate's treasure comes into this as well. But the scene is set for a classic game of cat and mouse uh, as Batman squares off against the Catwoman. That was worth waiting for. (laughs) 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 I did have more about the art, but
1: Now, this episode is actually notable for the only time we get to see Commissioner Gordon's assistant, his secretary, Bonnie now we hear of her a lot throughout the series i don't know if we've heard her name before this episode but as far as I, I knew that she was Bonnie. one of these characters like, say, Jenny Piccolo in Happy Days, <laughs> of whom he gets mentioned by name but never actually gets seen in a show. I've Bob- never had that thought in Happy Days, Dan. You've just taken me back, but what, yes. What about Bob Sacramento from Seinfeld? Oh, uh, Bob Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that's the perfect one. You're okay, right. done. Done. Yeah. Um, but but yeah because- so we see Bonnie uncredited, so we don't know who that actress was. We see an
2: uncredited Bonnie. We see Commissioner Gordon having come back from the mayor's office. like, and And it feels like... One of the first times like he feels like he's had a rollicking good
1: talking to with the mayor as well. He's really enthusiastic about the the fact that he's talked to the mayor. So do you think it's one of these things where Commissioner Gordon's gone into this meeting, the mayor's maybe suggested that he hasn't really done a very good job, that maybe he's being let down by his staff, Chief (laughs) (laughs) O'Hara?
0: No, thank you, Chief O'Hara. I certainly don't mean to cast any aspersions on the police department. This time I think Robin and I better go it alone. And so
1: he sort of you know tried to prop himself up and coming back energized and he's trying to just do the right thing and get everyone on board. I think that Commissioner Gordon in a meeting would be like David Brent in a meeting I don't think it's
2: possible <laughs> that he could feel like it ever went badly I think it would always be I nailed that I absolutely nailed that with the mayor it was awesome um, but yeah so it's really interesting again because he just goes nah, I don't know about this she's pretty dangerous I'm going to call in Batman again which is a huge surprise that he would call in Batman again which is every single episode of <laughs> that's, this his, MO that's time, his MO that's his MO right
1: it? yeah. although it's usually Chief O'Hara that suggests that they call in Batman hmm to mask his own incompetence.
0: Yeah, Commissioner Gordon does say he smells the tracks of a feline predator. So yeah, he he, does, he sees a bit <laughs> of a pattern emerging, and he even does that
1: breathing in, yeah. which is added creepy.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, Fiona, you're yes. a bright woman. I assume that you partake in some very bright activities around a place like playing chess. I've never played chess with you, but I assume you're a master.
0: Oh well, thanks for that. Um, yeah, but not to the extent of one mm. Bruce Wayne and Young Dick. Yeah, four it. level chess. Absolutely, four level chess. That's Who knew some it skills. even existed?
1: Yeah, I mean, does it you, exist? Well, I never really see things like this existing outside of nineteen sixties <laughs> drama series. So Star Trek's really known for their three dimensional chess, and then yeah, you've got this in Batman, which I've never seen this before in my life. I don't know if I'm not hanging it, like attending the right mentor meetings. <laughs> Is this the problem?
0: Probably. Yeah. I think that's probably where they're going off to a couple of times when the bat phone rings. Probably you know quadruple decker chess. <laughs>
2: I just want to know because Catwoman, like, she was created in 1940. She first appeared in the Batman comics. Um, I think she's in, like, Batman issue one. Batman issue number one. Yeah. And she's credited to be created by Bill Finger, who's now the co creator of the, the Batman universe. I mean, so, always
1: was, but now credited. Yeah,
2: finally yeah. credited, um, created the Batman universe. So she's there. And they always pitched her as a perfect formidable foe for Batman. So a, a woman who is his equal. And I think that it just kind of goes out of its way in this particular episode even with the like the four chess, even with reading the same history books, even all that sort of stuff. Like this is an intellectual battle mm. and from the very beginning you see this four layer chess, you're like this is weird, this is going to be a complex game and you feel like I mean Adam West's Batman doesn't even feel like he's good at this four layers of chess. Like he didn't know, neither of them feel like they're actually competent players of this quadruple chess game that's happening at the same time.
0: It's actually quite rudimentary, Dick. You just have to think 14 moves ahead, that's all. Holy Rashewski. Gosh, Bruce. I think I'll just stick to Latin crossword puzzles. <laughs>
1: I kind of like in this episode, there isn't really the sexual tension simmering between Batman and Catwoman, yeah, really because yeah. I do like Catwoman more as someone of whom is a equal to a certain degree, and when yes. you add in that layer of sexuality, it just sort of seems like it takes away from them as um, intellectual equals and just adds something else into the mix, which he obviously doesn't have with any of the others, like villains that are supposed to be um, of equal sort of intellectual stature. Yeah, I mean,
2: look, Adam West has kind of got that appeal, that's the, the fun of his character around and you see that you've got characters like in later iterations, you've got like Poison Ivy and all of the the female sidekicks who sort of fawn over Batman to a certain extent Robin. Yeah, and Robin and Dick, Aunt Harriet is there to stop those sorts of things from happening, <laughs> is she ever <laughs> is, she, <laughs> is she ever, oh don't get me started about her playing with a cat in this episode um, but yeah that's what I love about this particular cat one, even though it's sort of so brilliantly over the top uh, she, she's only there for the game. Yeah. She's there for the game. There's nothing else that's going to happen here. She's only there for the game. That's what matters.
0: And for me, it also stands out. I think we've noted in other episodes that they always do explain the origins of why the girls turn bad. They had the bad childhoods and they always go off to the Wayne home for naughty girls to get rehabilitated. But here it's... She just is and she's she's out there for the, for the thrill of the chase. Yeah. I really like when she's
1: introduced into this, the way that they film her entrance. She comes mm. in from the dark. She's got her whip and, and like it's a real sort of impressive entrance yeah. in a way that I don't think we've seen from another villain on this show in quite the same way. And I love that you only are kind of introduced to her, like
2: literally yeah. in part you see a hand just entering the screen from the uh, the right of your screen. You see her hand come through. You see the whip come through. You see her kind of Simpsons crazy cat lady Cat throw that yeah. um, takes down a security guard, um, but that that whole entrance now, as familiar Batman fans, you're like, oh, it's the Catwoman. I wonder, but I wonder because I saw it. I feel like I never didn't have a memory that there was a Catwoman in existence, but I wonder what what it would have been like in '66 in March, watching and going, oh my god,
1: that's the Catwoman. I've read about her in comics my whole life, and here she is
0: finally. Mm. Mm
1: yeah in preparation for this episode I was reading a lot of message boards around the place both things dedicated towards the Batman show as well as just like the IMDB comments and that kind of thing and there seems to be you a went certain... down a rabbit hole uh, r- You <laughs> went down a bottomless pit just like Catwoman at the end of this episode man <laughs> very much so we will get to that I've got very big <laughs> notes I want to make there But the one thing that I really found was there was a particular type of person commenting and you could tell that these were men who were maybe children when they first saw Julie Newmar on screen as the Catwoman Mm. back in the 60s. And I've definitely got some very strong feelings towards the (laughs) Julie Newmar character. And it's a very specific tone that you wouldn't find with any other generation... It's yeah. It's the very. I think she's encountered that
0: all her life, and I think yeah, you know she yeah. takes it with gentle good humour. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think people have been coming up to her on the street and just telling her she was the object of their sexual fantasies for yeah, and time immemorial for ever. Yeah, yeah. It's,
2: it's just like, can we just can we just cool it, guys? Like yeah. seriously, just leave poor jo- like. Isn't it enough that she was. That gorgeous and now she's immortalised on beautiful, you know, technicolour. Can't we just leave the woman alone mm. on a message board,
1: for God's sake? Yeah. Now she is one of three women to play Catwoman. Yes. So we see her for the first and second seasons of this program. I've got in the movie you had uh, Lee Merriweather playing Meriwether. Catwoman. Yep. And then in the third season, Eartha I don't think you might picks up, like comes into it again, but Eartha Kitt does play Catwoman in at least one episode, I'm not sure. Yeah, she's only along for the third season, Eartha, yeah.
2: which is like mind-boggling, like it's a mind-boggling piece of casting when you look at it. This is like a complete hyper-politicized figure in the entertainment industry and they bring her into primetime Technicolor on what is essentially billed to be a kid's show Um, or maybe at the time what um, Bill Dozier, who's the executive producer of the show and the awesome narrator. Um, I wish he narrated my life. But if I, you imagine that that's such a subversive thing for him to do, to hire her to play Catwoman in that first Eartha season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eartha, yeah, sorry, um, uh, Eartha, Eartha Kit. But um, so, yeah, Lee Mer- Meriwether is only in for the film and Julie Newmar is, yeah, the first, first and, and second, sec- series. First and second first series. And then um, Eartha- it's strange. I'd, I mean, other than the fact that it's awesome, it's really strange that she didn't keep going because she's such an iconic. Like you can, if you just put her up next to Anne Hathaway and, as far as costume design, it's like... <laughs> exactly the same i was struck again like it's exactly
1: the same costume design almost to the to the letter mm. what's really strange is that she only makes one appearance in the first season so she has the like, image that you see in that mm-hmm. second or third episode. But then we only get the actual one pair of Catwoman episodes. And you could sort of say, well, you know, there aren't that many episodes. They get through a lot of villains. But the Joker's in it, I think, two or three times in a season. Mm-hmm. The Riddler makes four appearances. Yes. But like, there's no reason we shouldn't yeah. have seen Catwoman more than once.
0: Yeah, we're midway now and we've had a, we've had a couple of Jokers. and um, Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think that's probably a testament to her. She's such a good character. I'd like that some of the other characters, especially in this series, feel a little bit more compatible. Like they come in and they have these begrudging relationships and friendships, sort of thing. You see them, or maybe they're in a. I mean, there's a notable episode in the later of the series where there's like the entire rogues gallery is all in a prison yard together. And we'll eventually get to, to that yeah, in the podcast. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you'll get to that. I'm looking forward to that episode, actually, to listen. <laughs> um, but I like, I think it's, they're giving her a pedestal in this episode, which is awesome. Like this is the Catwoman. is a formidable foe if it was only that she wasn't greedy she had fooled hit she'd fooled batman she'd gotten away scot-free with some treasure it was just that she was a little bit too
1: greedy and had to jump over too large a chasm
0: with too heavy a bag too heavy a bag
1: <laughs> <laughs> the like the annoying thing though is that we had sit through like a zelda the greats before we got to Catwoman. Oh, yes oh,
0: zelda's your go-to <laughs> yes. knocking
1: villain for obvious reasons yeah, I, she
0: wasn't ideal <laughs> she's no Catwoman. <laughs> she wasn't <an> ideal <laughs> <laughs> okay, but there's a few
1: things we probably need to talk about with this episode. Absolutely. Um, so I thought there was a really interesting note where one of the henchmen, uh, I think it was Leo, talking to Felix. And he was really just annoyed that they go out there and they steal these things, but she refused to actually sell the stolen statue with the, statue the cut. Yes.
2: Because yeah. Yeah. they want a cut. They I mean, it's clear. The, yeah. the remaining alive person wants it and, uh, and he wants a cut. He's like, great. A share that we can have together
0: towards the end of the episode. (laughs) Can he say that any more times? It's like he's baiting her to to double cross him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Share, share, please. Two of us, remember. Um, Oh, Leo. In
1: terms of her performance, I thought it's kind of cool that she plays Catwoman as so slightly unhinged. So when Cesar Romero in the first episode of it particularly and then a little less so sort of as it goes on, he really comes out there as this real sort of shaggy villain of whom you don't quite understand his... Like, he's not really a cartoon character. Rather, it kind of felt like he's actually this crazy man in a clown outfit. Mm. And she's kind of the same. Like, you don't really quite understand exactly where she's coming from or what her deal is because she really seems like she's slightly a lunatic.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, but totally controlled in the controlled, way she does like it as Controlled, but like there's
1: well. a madness behind her.
0: Yeah, I think there's.
1: I think
2: it's more ma- manipulative. I, th- mm. I like what Fiona was saying: is she emerges as this completely whole thing. There's no backstory. She's not broken. She's com- mm. she's completely there, and she just wants to play the game. And she feels like she would take. Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne to town if she was playing that quadruple chess game because she's all over it. Like Mm. they they, they find a lot of difficulty keeping up, keeping abreast of what she's actually doing. Yeah, Yeah. she's
0: thinking multiple moves ahead, multiple multiple rows up.
1: Much like when you're playing 4D chess, you've got to think 14 (laughs) moves ahead.
0: Exactly. She's in the second volume of the history of (laughs) Gotham City. She's
1: already there.
2: She (laughs) doesn't need to go to the bat shelf. Can we talk about same cat time, same cat channel?
1: Wasn't that just a lovely touch? (laughs) That was just so good. That was a nice surprise. Look, I mean, that's very charming. More surprising, though, is the um, heavily innuendo-laced moment where Felix is forced to brush down Catwoman's pussy willows. And is that a thing that you do with pussy willows? Uh, look, I am not. I don't pertain to be an expert about
2: anything, but definitely not the Pussy willow. so I'm going to flick past this over to Fiona. And yeah, and say I'm going to flick it right back. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea.
1: I mean, I know that he's going to treat them as though he was his very
2: own, but... I mean, look, in the 60s, they must have had a, a an innuendo quotient, I imagine. So I think that that's just one of those things. They have to do it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, bear in mind that at some point she does say... You can brush my Pussy Willows before you leave. And don't go against
2: the fur. All right. Um, Can we talk about a Batman stuntman actually like pouring at a fully grown tiger in this? (laughs) Can we talk about, again? I know you guys have talked about it on the show and this is one thing I love the appreciation of of the Batman Land podcast, but it's there is so much production quality in this entire show and particularly in this episode because you think of some of the great sort of museum layouts. You've obviously got the Batcave here, you've got... Catwoman's lair and then this pirate's lair which seems like a labyrinthine sort of place. Mm. But there is a real tiger jumping around (laughs) with like a stuntman who's pouring at it like Mike Tyson pours at his own white tiger that's been going viral this week. It is amazing.
0: And it's for a good couple of minutes as well. So before he realises, actually I can go up the walls. But no, (laughs) it's going on and it's quite a dramatic moment. And you can imagine an alternate
1: reality where we're pouring through the like trivia associated with the episode and find out that a stuntman had been mauled to death by a tiger on the set of the show yes you can imagine that happening absolutely Thankfully it didn't like everyone came out of it okay as far as i'm aware yes but yeah like it's a real scene where he's walking around this tiger and it goes for ages he's just yeah
2: nah. and there's no uh paul greengrass born supremacy cutting to make <laughs> this more tense or exciting this is just we are just staging it in mm. 4-3 looking at a guy poor at a tiger and it's kind of flicking around,
1: Batman. It's, it's an amazing scene. And don't forget, like, in the next episode, after they cut the, you know, scene cat time, scene cat channel, there's more tiger action. Yes. And yeah. there's actually scenes where, like, they're fighting over the top of this tiger pit, and, like, routinely you're looking over their shoulder and seeing them looking down at these tigers. They
0: really had a tiger budget on this one. <laughs> yeah.
2: A tiger budget. <laughs> I want to see the spreadsheet that has the line on the tiger budget. And also, they do some great Reaction shot. I, I want to say cat reaction shots, but like they do where the tiger sort of looks up and licks its licks mm. its jowls, and you're like, oh my god, that's terrifying. Um, but yeah, it's you know, all the catnip they were uh, putting <laughs> over the top of Robin. I didn't really like Ashley. That was that yeah. was one step too far. When Catwoman enjoys catnip, I'm not in
1: milk. <laughs> Is where I draw the line. <laughs> I do love the bit where Batman is running to help out Robin in that labyrinth of, um, you know, tunnel area where he's running through. And there's a bit where he's not sure which way to go next. And there's this great moment where Batman's sort of standing there and you just sort of see him front on. And he's actively making the decision to go left or right or right. And he's doing it for like about 10 seconds on screen. It's way too long to be making that decision <laughs> making process Batman. I think they just even further wanted to show how
2: outmatched he was. Look, And this episode, this is what I love about 66 Batman going back through it is you just see as much as you hit the 80s and Frank Miller sort of reignited the comic book world with dark interpretations of Batman and you see Tim Burton go on and then sort of take some of those projections into the cinema, every single one of them owes a massive debt to this show for the things that they take from it. Like and in this particular episode, in the second episode, which is um, Better Luck Next Time, you see Batman move a grate. Now I know that for some people that might not be interesting, but anyone who's played the Arkham games, like your entire (laughs) game is moving grates. And I feel like I looked at it and I'm like, this is the first time Batman opens a grate and uses his Batarang to fling out of there and attack someone. I'm like, that's the whole Arkham game right now. It's in this episode. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, this is another one of those things where I was just looking at it going, oh, my God, people who've made Batman have loved and lived and died by this show.
1: I really like the sequence where Batman and Robin approach the fur company, which is the hideout for Catwoman, and it's called the Gato and Chats fur company, and it's the moment where Batman points out there's languages involved.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, Robin indulges in a little bit of Spanglish as well. of
2: Spanglish, it's beautiful.
0: <laughs> CC Batman, what do we do now?
2: I also love that in that scene you get Spanglish, but you also get like Return of the Jedi Emperor Lightning about ten years before George Lucas does it, <laughs> and it's coming out of an antenna on the bat on the Batmobile to open up the door. It's incredible. Again, how much would that have cost in nineteen sixty
1: six? That's a special effect. <laughs> One of the great special effects, although maybe a sound effect, is when Stunt Batman is fighting off the tiger. To get the tiger to go into submission, he ends up having to increase the audio modulation on his um, communicator device to 20,000 decibels. And it kind of got me thinking about Batman, maybe not so much as Bruce Wayne Batman, but maybe think about him as the Don Cheadle character from Boogie Nights. This is
0: high five, okay? High fidelity. You know what that means? That means this is the highest quality fidelity. High five. Those are two very important things to have in the stereo system. Yeah. And so, of course, that gives Tinkerbell a terrible headache
2: and he's able to get away we need to call out the stuntman his name is Hubie Kearns okay and his <laughs> that's son that's not a real name his name is Hubie Kearns he was a stuntman in the 60s and his son Hubie Kearns Jr. was actually like a second assistant director on things like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade so like a you know a, a sort of classic Hollywood sort of um, a lineage there if you like he went on dynasty. to do some cool stuff bit mm. of a dynasty but Hubie Kearns like so Adam West obviously does so much of his own stunts because there are no stunts in this show <laughs> um, but to be fair uh, but Hubie Kearns is the guy like who got the tap on the shoulder to fight a tiger? Is that this is the guy, Hubie Kearns? Don't forget. And what is there a more sixties American stuntman name than Hubie Kearns? <laughs> speaking of our just recent boogie nights
1: quote, I think I think it goes perfectly, Hubie Kearns. Hubie Kearns. <laughs> Um, my firstborn will be Hubie Kearns. <laughs> now, right at the end of the episode, we do have Catwoman escaping from Batman and Robin through some catacombs away from... Uh, like it sort of felt a bit like the Batcave, but not quite. Mm. It's definitely mm. a different part of town. But she ends up jumping across this pit, which Batman claims is bottomless, but actually seems to have had a bottom in some way. But Catwoman disappears. Like she won't like give up her bag of loot. So she ends up holding on to that as she falls, possibly to her death, never to be seen from again until the Batman movie in a few weeks' time.
2: Oh, uh, I thought it was a little bit bleak. It was really bleak. Mm. It's probably the darkest and most definitive end until maybe the the studio note or something is you imagine going. There's a movie. She has to come back. Like you have that. That pit can't have been bottomless. But I've gotten feel, a lot of
1: letters. <laughs> I feel like well, they it, they went there. It's though. Slightly darker in the first episode, where the Riddler's henchman woman uh, Molly yes. ends up falling to her death Falls in the her death. Ba- uh, nuclear reactor.
0: Mm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they do tack on a little bit of a. Is that Catwoman? Clutching Aunt Harriet towards the end, does yes. she come back? That that thieving cat that's in the Wayne household has yes. has like, Catwoman found another way to come back?
1: That cat. I love the joke right at the end of this, which is pretty much the joke that I think we've been waiting for, watching this week in week out. Which is that they joke that maybe the cat came from a broken home, much like every woman on the Batman TV show, and up much until like now. Bruce
2: Wayne, like Bruce well, Wayne, yeah. the, the, this typical billionaire playboy, is from a broken home as well. So I think that that's the. <laughs> and the cat's got a diamond <laughs> a diamond collar on it's just beautiful it's so so lovely at the end of this episode to have that
1: Okay now Blake you love Batman I, I do. think this is a well established fact at this point within the podcast Yes So, ordinarily, I just ask, who is your Batman? But because you are so across Batman, I think that just seems a little bit redundant because you've said it's Adam West, but in a sense, it's all of them. It is. Okay, so I'm going to hit you cross-media, okay, as to your favourite thing with each time. Okay, so in terms of TV series, I mean, it's really only 1966 Batman. Well...
2: There's the Batman animated
1: series. Well, I was going to say in terms of live action. Live though, action, yep. But cool. animated, there's so many Batman cartoons over the years. Is like the animated series, Tass, is that your go-to? Has or to are there be. others that Yeah, are the
2: animated series and probably Batman the Mask of Phantasm, which is the movie... Uh, length sort of episode that came out of the animated series that is just outstanding if you haven't seen it probably one of the best comic book adaptions of all time it's Loved definitely it.
1: the best batman movie
2: it, it arguably uh, i'm gonna say the dark knight goes up there and i'm gonna say probably rises is pretty close for me because to follow up a batman movie after the dark knight and have the problem of no heath ledger and deliver what they delivered i'm gonna always back those two films and I don't know how many people in the studio have showed you Batman tattoos, Dan and Fiona. Can I show you Batman tattoos? I'm not taking off my pants, but just to take off my arm is um, I'm showing you a Bane tattoo on my arm.
0: It certainly is. Uh,
2: and, uh, yeah, I, I, I love Rises. I love Bane. I love uh, the, the those films so much. But, yeah, let's keep going across.
1: Yeah, of course, that photo, that photo of his arm will be on the <laughs> website. So go to this podcast. So check that out. Um, okay, so cartoon, the animated series, yes. TV show, Adam West, Nice Batman, movies? Uh, look... The
2: Dark Knight. I, I would say that The Dark Knight probably as a, as a whole film, I would say is kind of peerless for me. But uh, when I think about Batman, there's something that is undeniable about Michael Keaton for me. Just because it's so left of centre. This is a guy who's like a comedian who sort of gets people and uh, his take on... This guy was that he was completely insane. Like, this is a person to get up every night, eat by yourself, (laughs) have no relationships, you're a kind of nutbag. And I actually really think it's one of the more interesting performances because he's just so out there. Um, The Affleck is a, you know, Christian Bale, I think he's phenomenal. I think Affleck does a fantastic job. It's probably one of his better performances in his career as Batman because it's that kind of Playboy James Bond version of Batman. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's. But Keaton, I you know, there's a black turtleneck. That, that <laughs> you can't go wrong with a black turtleneck, yeah. Batman. Love the turtleneck. <laughs> um, and comics. I'm going to go controversial. My favorite Batman comic is actually when they killed Bruce Wayne in a story run by Grant Morrison, um, which he sort of had this all-star Batman and Robin, which is Damian Wayne, which is. Uh, bruce wayne's son and dick grayson who grows up and has become nightwing in the universe of the comics and he inherits the mantle so you get a fun batman and a really moody shitbag i don't know if i can say shitbag but moody shitbag shitbag. (laughs) moody shitbag robin um and it changes the dynamic and it actually feels a little bit funner and lighter because he's he sort of playful and it reminiscent of that and I I love that legacy um, because the Bruce Wayne living forever in the comic books uh, especially if you're an enduring Batman fan can sometimes be boring as batshit so um, (laughs) I I really loved that point of difference because it just went so it started to talk about the cowl as a legacy yeah
1: that's a really good Dick Grayson as Batman comic called the Black Mirror which you can find in hardcover trade paperback fantastic yeah very cool Now, we do like to end every podcast with the lessons that we've learned from this week's Batman. Blake, I'm sure that you've probably learned quite a number of lessons, but if you could distill it down to one, what have you taken away from this week?
2: I've learned that in 1966, you had a tiger budget. Um, that's that's <laughs> what I've learned. Uh, it's, it, that's probably the, the most outstanding thing that I've learned in this entire uh, double episode. Fiona?
0: I mean, for me... What hits home, just never drop the bag of loot. Don't worry. Just (laughs) (laughs) never drop your bag.
1: Clutch it. It will work out (laughs) okay.
2: (laughs) You'll be back. You'll be back in the movie. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Even if Mrs. Munster takes over your role.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Look, the important lessons that I took away from, it was really about motorist safety. So I learned from Batman that... You may be a few years away from driving, but when you do, you'll learn to always wear a seatbelt. And it doesn't matter if the place you're driving to is just a few blocks away, wear your seatbelt.
0: Robin, you haven't fastened your safety Bat Belt. We're only going a couple of blocks. It won't be long until you're old enough to get a driver's licence, Robin. Then you'll be able to drive the Batmobile and other vehicles. Remember, motor is safety. Gosh, Batman, when you put it that way... (laughs)
1: Okay, guys, thank you very much. This is the end of another Batman Land for another week. We'll be back next week, but Blake won't be with us. So, Blake, thank you very much for coming in. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's it's been a pleasure. I am concerned we're going to record next week and just find you here waiting for us. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Listen, I'm going to use my cat claws. I'm going to cut through the studio glass and I'll be here. I'll be a permanent
1: (laughs) guest. Fantastic. I really appreciate you coming in. Uh, People can find you on Twitter, but where? Uh, At Blakey's
2: Batman on Twitter. And if you enjoy movie podcasts that dive into great things from the past, if you can listen to One Heat Minute, which is my podcast at oneheatminute.com, where we're going through 170 minutes of Michael Mann's crime saga masterpiece, Heat, one minute at a time.
1: Yeah. Uh, People know the TV show Peep Show there's this great moment where they're at the theatre and they're wondering why they're not at home watching on DVD the movie Heats because there's nothing really better than Heat, and I think about that often when I'm at the theatre. But anyway, Fiona, you like movies. Um, you like Heat? It's true, You yes. like Heat? Yes. I'm just hinting that maybe Blake should be talking to you about the heat method at some point. All right, thanks for doing the spade work
0: there for me, Dan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Quietly hinting. But Fiona, you're on the Twitter as well. Where do people find you? You
0: can find me at anything but Fifi.
1: Yep, and if people want to find me, I'm at the Dan Barrett. But folks, if you are talking about Batman Land on the Twitters, leave the hashtag Batman Land in your tweets because it helps people join the conversation, which is mostly me, but other people should join that conversation as well. It'd make me feel a lot better about life. Also, leave a review for this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your chosen podcast app of choice, helps other people find the show, and most importantly, gets the message of the bat out there. If you want to watch the show, you can find it on SBS Viceland every Friday night at 6.35pm, or you can see catch-up episodes on SBS On Demand. And it's all there, I think, going back to the first episode. So give that a look. Folks, this has been Batman Land. Thank you very much to Blake and Fiona. And also a huge thanks to Jeremy R, producer, who I often forget to thank, but not this week, buddy. Thanks, Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back next week. TTFN.
0: And what's that supposed to mean?
1: Ta ta for now.